Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border to Border, 1061 ESPN on a Monday, a wonderful Monday. You can't really say wonderful Monday very often, uh, but it is because it is officially the start of the college basketball season. And if you love the college basketball season like I do, uh, you are going to uh, enjoy today. Even though I think I read there's like a hundred and 20, 130 games, but more than half of them are like higher level teams against lower level teams and things like that. It's it's kind of sad to say the least, but it's still college basketball and it still starts today and we'll get you set for the games tonight uh, coming up here. And uh, there's already five games in the books, five winners. Uh, they were all five division one teams playing lower level teams. All the Division One teams have won, so five teams are 1-0 so far on the season. They all have earned NCAA tournament bids. Uh, so today is the start of the college basketball season. You know how we do it on Mondays. There are no... Uh, no guests on the show today because we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. 327-0888. That is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. Uh, among the topics we'll touch on, uh, as I said in this segment, we'll touch on the college basketball slate tonight, what we're watching for. Um... We'll also talk about the college football results from last week. And I I feel like today we would be channeling our inner Herman Edwards. They are, excuse me, not Herman Edwards, Dennis Green, uh, Denny Green, by saying they are who we thought they were. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, they are who we thought they were. Uh, and uh, James Mass, of course, gets another win, but not without a costly injury. We'll update you that a little bit later on in the show. And, of course, we'll also get into the NFL. Um, some people are probably wondering why we didn't really do that much on the Commanders and the Patriots. A, I mean, look, we're in a college football town, so, of course, we'll do more college football and college basketball. And B... Patriots are just another team. Like, it's not, the Patriots are not Tom Brady. They're not Rob Gronkowski. They're not any of those teams that won Super Bowls. They're essentially nobodies. And so, why bother? I mean, look, I didn't know how to predict last uh, last night's game, and so we just didn't spend a lot of time on them, and we'll do a little bit later on in the NFL, um, but we'll certainly touch on that. The Commanders getting the victory, and now they hit the road once again as they take on the Seattle uh, Seahawks. Um, so we'll touch on the Commanders getting a, I mean, I mean, an upset victory based off of Vegas. I don't know how many people were that shocked, but we'll see. We'll get into that a little bit later on the show. But as I said, college basketball tonight. Here on our airwaves, starting at 7 o'clock, we have the Richmond Spiders. They take on VMI. Our coverage begins at 6.30. Spiders are a 17.5 point favorite. Total is around 147. This thing jumped about 10 points. And I I do not know why. Obviously, Richmond is a team that's rebuilding. Um, they have some pieces back from last year. Obviously, Tyler Burton is gone. Um, Jason Nelson went across town. Matt Grace is no longer there. Andre Gustafson is no longer there. 
So it's a team that's kind of in flux. We talked to Neil Quinn last week. That interview's on our website, ESPNRichmond.com. There's Isaiah Bigelow. There is Jason Roach. Uh, There are some uh, interesting transfers that are coming in. So it's not like the Spiders are going to be terrible. They just may not be very good. We'll see what happens. They should win tonight. Um, Ken Palm has them winning 78-61. to VMI is also not very good. They are. They went seven and twenty-five last year. This game opened up the campaign last year, and uh, Richmond won sixty-nine forty-eight in a game that was well, not very interesting and not very good. Um, listen, you know the key Dets are just they're struggling a little bit in terms of building a roster, in terms of trying to keep kids. Obviously, in this world of transfers and things like that, anybody that's pretty good is not exactly going to stay at a VMI. Uh, I'm trying to see here as I'm trying to somewhat kill time to see. They have two freshmen, most likely, according to their uh, game notes, as starting uh, in their starting lineup. The problem is, for the key Dets, there are only four players listed who who scored points last year for the key Dets. And there's a whole lot of freshmen and guys who didn't play. So I don't know what to say. If Richmond doesn't win this game by 20, 25, 30 points, then, you know, we're not going to say the season's going to be terrible. We should just be a little leery of it. So that's uh, tonight. Richmond, a healthy favorite uh, in that one. Uh, also tonight, you have VCU. They are hosting McNeese State. And, of course, everybody was really excited when they heard McNeese State was going to be on there. And, well, McNeese State is without Will Wade for this game. Will Wade has been suspended. He's not going to be here. And, um, and um so certainly that is something to watch for tonight. A lot of people think McNeese State's going to win their conference. I don't necessarily think that could be the case. We'll see. There's a lot of hope and expectation for what Will Wade can do. Uh, I mean, you know, we know he's not a bad coach. He's got to fix some things there, obviously, and he's got to survive this beginning stretch, the first 10 games that he's not there. Um, but there's some talent there. He's got some transfers, a UMass transfer, a, a UTSA transfer. So there are some opportunities for McNeese State. But really, this is all about VCU. They're only a 10-point uh, favorite, 10.5-point favorite tonight. Totals around 145. Um, remember, uh, Coach Odom, uh, he didn't run necessarily with his previous teams, but also he didn't have the talent that he has there uh, in Richmond. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, I think they're going to win tonight. I think the, the, the common thread to all the games that we do is that the, the home team, the state school, probably going to win outside of VMI. Um, so that's the VCU Rams. They're at 7 o'clock tonight over at the Siegel Center. Also playing tonight, you have Virginia. They are hosting Tarleton State. Billy Gillespie, the coach of, of Tarleton State. Uh, Tarleton State plays basketball about as ugly as as Virginia does at times. They want to slow games down. They want to um, ugly things up. They force a lot of turnovers, but when they don't force those turnovers, they give up a lot of baskets, and they foul. Tarleton State last year had the most free throw attempts per field goal attempts. 47% of their shots uh, went to fouls. But they were 359th in defense there. So basically, they tried to turn you over, and when they didn't turn you over, they basically ended up fouling you. There were only three team, four teams worse last year in college basketball. So Tarleton State in games against programs like Virginia, they lost to Baylor 
They lost to Wichita State 83-71. They did beat Belmont last year. They did beat Weber State last year. They also beat Grand Canyon, who was really good out of the whack. Um, but this is, once again, all about Virginia. Virginia's going to win the game. It's just about how much that pack line defense uh, comes together, how much the uh, offense comes together. There's more firepower this year, how much he plays the uh, the younger players. Before you run and take Virginia to cover this game, though, last year they opened up with North Carolina Central, only won the game by 12, did not cover that game. Um, so Virginia has some things to learn with regards to the pack line and all that good stuff. But Virginia, a 17-point favorite against Tarleton State. Virginia Tech, they are also in action tonight. Virginia Tech is hosting Coppin State. Virginia Tech, a 28.5 point favorite. Coppin State's not very good. They don't return a single starter from last year. There's a lot of question marks regarding what Coppin State's going to be like this year. It's all about can Virginia Tech play defense? Can, we talked about it with uh, with Sean Bedula, with uh, the coach when we went to Charlotte. It's all about can this team play defense? Now, Coppin State's not very good. Last year, they lost by 23 at Charlotte. They lost by 19 at Marshall. They lost by 16 at Maryland. They lost by 22 at NC State. But also, the keys were, A, they were a better team, and B, they had people that were there. Coppin State is returning no starters. None. So this one's a name-your-score situation for Virginia Tech. Uh, elsewhere, some of the other schools that are playing tonight. Um, scrolling down here, my list of George Mason's hosting Monmouth. George Mason, about an 11-point favorite at a total 140. That game is at 7 o'clock. Um, as you notice, there's going to be a lot of games with mismatches. JMU's got the the best game of the day involving the state schools. They're at Michigan State. JMU's a 16.5-point underdog. Total's around 146.5. It's gone up three points. JMU's going to get a test, obviously. Um, it's a team that was picked first in the Sun Belt, but, of course, this is not Sun Belt action. So we'll see how they do against... I have a, I, I put a couple bucks down on Michigan State to win the national championship. I think they're that good. And it's Michigan State. Like You just don't know. Um, you just don't know. But I like Michigan State to win the championship. So we'll see how James Madison does. They'll get a stiff test tonight. Radford also gets a stiff test. They're at North Carolina tonight at 7 o'clock. Radford, an 18.5-point underdog. Carolina is just trying to wash out the, the bad taste from last year. Uh, Longwood is at in Olean, New York at St. Bonaventure. Uh, Long, it's such a great matchup there. You've got Longwood, who has this wonderful campus, wonderful people, and you have St. Bonaventure in the middle of nowhere, which is essentially perpetual darkness in Olean, New York. So um, we'll see if Longwood can do some things. Longwood had a lot of change on their roster. Of course, they also have the change of the new stadium that they're excited to unveil. But for this one, they're in St. Bonaventure. That is at 7 o'clock. Trying to see who else is playing tonight of the listed group. And that's pretty much it for the teams who are playing lined games tonight. But there's a lot of games and a lot of Division I teams playing D2 and D3 games, which is not exactly a thrill. Um, real quick, and then we'll go to break. Um, uh, oh, yeah, ODU has Virginia Wesleyan tonight. That's another one. Um, since it's not a line game, I didn't see it. So uh, there's a bunch of those games as well. Uh, top 25 teams tonight, I mean, it's 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 kind of a barren wasteland of a lot of double-digit spreads and things like that. USC and Kansas State, 10 o'clock on TNT tonight. That could be an interesting game. USC's ranked 21st. Kansas State, of course, we know what they did last year. Um, But other than that, it's just kind of excitement that college basketball is back. That's pretty much it. 
And to help with the excitement that college basketball is back, we've got a pair of tickets for tonight's game uh, between VMI and uh, Richmond. If you are looking to go, uh, give us a call, 804-327-0888. Lewis will answer the phone. Your tickets will be down at Will Call. We'll get your name, uh, and then we'll hand it to somebody who will be down uh, at the stadium. They will be at Will Call. So if you're interested in going to see the game tonight between VMI and Richmond, give us a call, 804-327-0888. We'll have plenty of... Richmond tickets to give out as the uh, season goes along, but everything tips off tonight. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, we'll switch things up, do a little college football. College football, uh, as we said, Tech and UVA was ugly. Congratulations to Virginia Union. We've got Randolph making Hampton Sydney this week. We'll update you on college football and then past the half hour, we'll do some NFL. I will address the Cowboys fans who are listening because I know you're hurting today. Um, I don't feel bad about it in the least, but I will address the game between the Eagles and the Cowboys and, of course, the Commanders and the Patriots as well. Uh, let's take a timeout. More after this 1061 ESPN. The Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here and uh, taking you up until 4 o'clock. No Bob Black in the sports title today. Bob is getting ready for tonight's game. He will be on TV. Surprised he has time for us, uh, you know, little people on radio because he's a TV superstar. But Bob will be back uh, tomorrow, uh, and during the season, that's kind of what's going to happen. Three two seven zero eight eight eight. That's the phone number. That is the text line. Eight zero four is the area code uh, for that. And um, yes, very excited for college basketball. But I feel like tomorrow I'm going to come on here and be like, "Hey, so all the teams we thought won, uh, and all the teams we thought were going to lose, lost." If they, if we come on tomorrow and there's an upset, there's gonna be some there's gonna be some issues. Obviously, if Richmond loses to VMI, I don't think the Spider fans will be very happy in the least. I don't think that's gonna happen. They're a rather large favorite. I don't think any of the schools that are favorite in the state right now are going to lose tonight. Going forward, who knows? Um, but tonight is kind of the get your feet wet sort of situation for college basketball. College football. Um I don't, you know, we expressed optimism for Virginia Tech in uh, a lot of ways after their game last the the previous week, and we thought, okay, Virginia Tech is going to go. They're going to go win. Um, you know, they have a chance to be in second place. You know, all they have to do is win in Louisville, and and you know, at least stay in the game and give them a chance. I was, you know, I was very excited about Chiron drones and everything, and and there was all this excitement, and then. They have, let's see, 140 yards of offense in Louisville, give up 231 yards of rushing, and we're back to what we expected to be. And so Virginia Tech's four and five, and now they have a road trip to Chestnut Hill, which is never easy, no matter what. Boston College could be the worst team in college football, but trips to Chestnut Hill, good teams go to die in Chestnut Hill. I don't know what to expect. BC's a one-point favorite. It opened at two and a half. Money is coming in on Virginia Tech. They are the better team of the two. But who's to say that uh, Thomas Castellanos and this team is not going to run for like 300 yards on Tech's defense? Uh, Tech's defense was very good over a couple-game stretch, and then it just kind of reverted to nothingness. Louisville passed the ball 13 times. They ran it 38 times. So I just I don't know what to say. They're four and five. 
Um, they've got at BC, NC State at home, at Virginia. You know, we thought, okay, bowl eligibility was pretty much a lock. I think they're going to still be bowl eligible. I think. But I don't know. This defense has to get back to playing run defense. It's just absolutely incredible to see how poor they were in terms of just, this is a must-win game, and they just didn't show up at all. And I don't understand that. I don't understand how they didn't show up at all for this game. And I don't know if it's Brent Pry. I don't know if it's recruiting. I don't know if they just don't have enough talent. I don't know any of this stuff. But um, that's a that's a terrible no-show by Virginia Tech. And I'll say it was a terrible no-show by Virginia, too. Now, granted, look, Tony Musket got hurt. That would, that, you know, you can't, Nothing you can do about when your quarterback gets hurt and then Grady Brosterhouse is coming in. And then my guy, Anthony Calandria, comes in. But once again, UVA didn't play any defense. UVA gave up over 500 yards of offense at Georgia Tech. And I know Georgia Tech's better than they have been. You can't give up 500 yards of offense plus at home to Georgia Tech. That's that's inconceivable. Say it in your... um, Wallace Shawn voice from uh, Princess Bride. Like, how does that even happen? I don't understand. Virginia is Virginia's defense has been okay, has been pretty good, and now all of a sudden you want to do that. Um, you thought that things had kind of turned around. They won the William Mary game. They had two weeks of relish on it. They won at North Carolina. They played really good at Miami, and then you come home and your leading rusher is the quarterback, and now you have a short week and you go to Louisville. And then you come home, you play Duke, and you play Virginia Tech. All that momentum that Virginia had is just, it's gone after a performance like that. Now they're a 20-point underdog. It's Thursday night football, so you get a short week after that. All the momentum that I had for um, for this team, gone. Absolutely gone. It's, it's disappointing. Not that they were going to make a bowl, but... The funny thing is, they it seemed like they did not want to burn Anthony Calandria's red shirt, and then all of a sudden they did, all because of the injury to Tony Musket. And they must not have trusted uh, Brosterhouse because they went to him for a play or two, and then AC24, or whatever they're calling him, I forget what his number is, but AC came in and, and took care, uh, you know, did some things. Uh, ODU lost to Coastal Carolina. ODU is now four and five. Their final few games pretty tough. Uh, you got Liberty on the road. You got Georgia Southern on the road, and you got Georgia State at home. Three tough games. They need two wins in those last three games. They gave up a late touchdown to Coastal Carolina, who came back and won the game. So ODU may not be going bowling. Of course, that cheer you hear is in Harrisonburg because JMU is only getting in if there's not enough bowl teams. I saw a statistic. I'm going to pull, try and pull it up while I keep talking here of how many bowl-eligible teams there are right now. I think there is only like 50-something. Here we go. Brett McMurphy, three weeks remain, and we have 51 bowl-eligible teams for 82 spots. This does not include JMU and Jacksonville State. If there's not enough, JMU and Jacksonville State will be selected to fill any openings, followed by five and seven teams. Jamie wins again. I talked about it last week. This is their toughest game of the season. That was it. And they they went and they destroyed them. It wasn't even close. Now, granted, you know, the quarterback ran for some yardage, and I'm sure they were not happy about it. Number one rush defense and all. But like Jordan McLeod was awesome. Six touchdowns. If you didn't start him in DFS, you 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 probably didn't make the money like I did. Um 
This is just a really good team. Now, the unfortunate thing is Jalen Green is out for the season. He suffered an injury in that game. That's disappointing, especially for a guy who, if they potentially do make a bowl game, probably would have really enjoyed a bowl game a lot. Unfortunately, he gets hurt. He's out for the season. They move up in the top 25 poll. I I wish there was something we could do. I wish there was something that anybody else could do. JMU's the best group of five team. And I went back and forth with Tulane fans. And Tulane fans, like, I I get it. You're a Tulane fan. I get it. You're defending your alma mater, most likely. But, like, you're not better than James Madison. Tulane went one at East Carolina 13 to 10. And the fact that we don't even get to see JMU in the playoff rankings is even more ridiculous. Besides the fact you can't even see JMU in the statistics, that's even more petty and ridiculous. But, by the way, take a picture of this top 25. JMU's ranked ahead of Notre Dame. I would love to see JMU play Notre Dame. I'd love to see JMU play any, most of the teams in the top 25 because I don't need to see JMU play Liberty. Which, by the way, I love you Liberty fans. Liberty doesn't belong ranked. Like, I'm sorry. Liberty's beaten the equivalent of nobody all season long. They've won. That's all that matters. They keep winning, but their strength of schedule is like a million. Because and it's not their fault that they play in a bad conference, but their non-conference was bad, and their their conference is even worse. And so they can't help themselves that their last three games are ODU, UMass, and UTEP. That's uh, a bunch of their non-conference games being played there. But like, I'm sorry, Liberty, you played nobody. You've been beating everybody, like, and there's no doubt in a lot of your games outside that Sam Houston game where it was really close to the end, and that's really good. But like, you've beaten nobody. You're not a top 25 team. That's just my opinion. And I love the the, the little folks. I love the mid-majors. I love the group of five. But like Kansas State, Fresno State, like maybe they should have been ranked ahead. But hey, congratulations. Liberty's 25th. They get another win, 56-30 over Louisiana Tech. They will be hosting the Conference USA Championship game. That's right. We still have three more weeks of the regular season, and we already know that Liberty is hosting the Conference USA Championship game. That's impressive to do. And it also says a lot about your conference, that you don't have a lot of talent in that conference, and that already we're like, hey, you won. But like, hey, you still you still got to win. And that's what Liberty's doing. But yeah, JMU, and I do enjoy it, although I feel bad for JMU fans. Beth Moens, she's, how do I put this? I like, um, I like Beth, I think Beth Moens is not a bad broadcaster. I think her voice is not great for broadcasting. And I say that as some people who don't like my voice, who think I'm a little nasally, who think I'm a little Northeastern too much. There, You know, you can't please everybody. She's good at what she does. I just, I don't I can't take her voice for three hours. That's all. And it's not sexist, it's not anything else. There's other people who I don't like. I don't like the guy who did the Jacksonville State South Carolina game. I don't like him. There's other people who I don't like. I just feel bad because Beth Moens is very good at her job. I just can't take her for a three hour period. And JMU had to unfortunately have her. But I will say this the broadcast did a very nice job of crushing the NCAA for being what they are. And for being, uh, for the hypocrisy that's involved here. And so I love the fact that they continue to do it. I wish, I really do wish there was something Keith Kill could do. 
Or I wish there was something in terms of like the NCAA, the Sun Belt says, screw you and just lets JMU play in the championship game. But that's not right to the other people in the conference, even though and I'm checking the standings now to see who would be the Eastern Division. Coastal Carolina, once again, would make it to the championship game, even though they don't deserve it. Like Coastal Carolina is not going to pass up on that. But here's the thing that here's the why the Sun Belt should be fighting even more for this. If JMU goes to a New Year's Six Bowl, the amount of money the Sun Belt would make would be ridiculous. Would be ridiculous. And it would trickle down to all the teams and it would trickle down to the conference. So, like, there is extra financial things at stake for the Sun Belt. And you can't have them make it? I mean, I'm hoping, obviously, I'm hoping hard there's not enough bowl teams. I, I want to go to whatever bowl JMU is at. I mean, we have no money here at the station. I have no money because I work in radio. But, like, I want to go to JMU's bowl game um, because I just feel like they deserve all the coverage they get. And so, um, you know, I do love every broadcast is just crushing, crushing um, the, hip, the, the hypocrisy of this whole thing. But unfortunately, they can keep saying whatever they want. It's not going to matter. It's just not going to matter. Um, so that's James Masson, Liberty. William Mary loses again. The CAA standings are crazy. Uh, if you are not familiar, because obviously Richmond had a bye this week, so they just sat back and watched the chaos. But now there are five teams tied the top the standings in the CAA. Albany, Villanova, Elon, Delaware, and Richmond are all 5-1. and one. William Mary's 3-3. Three and three. Campbell's 3-3. Three and three. Monmouth. I mean, it's crazy. There are five teams, six teams tied at 3-3. Three and three. So you have five at 5-1, and one, six at 3-3, three and three, and then you got four other schools that, like, why bother? But Richmond gets Elon this weekend. Then they get William and Mary. And in a way, Richmond does not get help by the fact that William and Mary loses. Like, it does not help Richmond that William and Mary is falling apart now because Richmond needs quality wins. They have no quality wins. If they beat Elon, that would become a potential quality win, although Elon is 5-4. and four. You know, it's not like, I don't know what the whole RPI system is in the, uh, the net or whatever in the FCS, but, like, Richmond needs quality wins, and William and Mary losing doesn't help them. But if you're the Spiders, all you got to do is just go out and win. Take care of business. And they will try and do so Saturday against Elon. Uh, as I said, congratulations to Virginia Union. They get to win 30-20 to 20 over Virginia State out at Hovey Field. Uh, Union went out to a, a 23-13 lead. They expanded it out to 30-13. And then they basically clamped down defensively and won 30-20. So that means Virginia Union wins their division in the CIAA. That's great for them. Hampton Sydney gets the win on senior day, 26-25. Randolph Macon, no doubt, 49-16 over Ferrum. Randolph Macon has their bid uh, into the ODAC championship game, but of course they want to win uh, the 128th edition of the game. That's here in Ashland at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Bob and I will both have the coaches on. We're still trying to figure out which one and who will go and where, but uh, we love uh, taking care of the game besides the Virginia Union-Virginia State rivalry. So that's college football. Like, as I always say, good college football is being played here in the state. It's just close to the home and it's lower levels. So if you're a disappointed Tech fan, disappointed UVA fan, like you don't have to go travel to your place. You could go to Ashland. You can go to wherever Virginia Union's games are uh, being played going forward if they make the tournament, whatever. You can go and support those schools, and I highly recommend you do so. Um, but we do have the um, 
championship game coming up this weekend in the CIAA. Fayetteville State and Virginia Union, 3 o'clock Saturday in Salem. Good luck uh, to the Panthers. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, uh, we're at the halfway point. I see the text message I got. Uh, it's regarding the NFL. Uh, a couple text messages regarding the NFL. And that's where we are going to go next. The Commanders get a win over the Patriots. And no one really cared. Uh, and then we'll talk about the Cowboys and Eagles because I know there's Cowboy fans. I saw the text Al got this morning like from from bitter Cowboys fans. We'll get into it as well. Taking you up to 4 o'clock, you're listening to 1061 ESPN. Way, the Royal Way. Jamie King is live weekday morning 7 to 8 to kick off a full day of sports analysis. Here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Um, as I said, uh, this week we'll do, um, yeah, we'll get you ready for the college football games. We have our Spider interview coming up on Wednesday. Um, we're going to do a little Liberty on Thursday. And um, we're going to do a little Liberty on Thursday, a little basketball, a little football. And uh, we've got some other stuff planned. Uh, I have my week for Coach Signetti. We'll do that interview at 2.45 on Thursday, replay it at, well, play it at 3.15. So we got some good stuff coming up as the week goes along as we now move a little college basketball into everything here on the show. 327-0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. If you want to talk about your favorite college football team, college basketball team, NFL team, we will uh, certainly do so. All right, so I got a couple texts here. First text is, Matt, I've called in the show before, but, but once again, we, the NFL viewers, have to put the Miami Dolphins hype train to bed. Another chance to prove us wrong by beating a playoff team, yet again, they fall flat. They've beaten who they're supposed to beat, but it's time to get rid of them as the AFC gatekeepers. Uh, yeah, I've never... I The Miami Dolphins are like USC football in the olden days. They're like... Um, the Golden State Warriors, they're like, I could say somewhat the Atlanta Braves. They like a game to a certain way. And when that game doesn't go that certain way, they just, they fall apart. Now, I, you know, part of, the, I, I don't love exporting a game like that overseas. Now, look, it could have been completely different if it was played in Kansas City. I'm guessing that was a Kansas City home game because... There were a lot more Kansas City fans there, so I'm guessing they took away a home game from the Chiefs. So I, I, I do take a little bit of it away that they're overseas, they're in a faraway place, the, the, the whatever, like I'm, you know. But the Dolphins were very disappointing. Six and three with six wins over bad teams and three losses to potential Super Bowl teams: the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. You know, I, I just. I'm not going to pronounce them anything. I'm just going to say that the Chiefs or that the Dolphins, you know, they're up there. They're, they may win that division. Probably not. But, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're the best. I mean, it's not like the Bills are playing well. The Bills aren't very good either. Uh, the Dolphins get the bye week, and then they play the Raiders at the Jets, at the Commanders, home Titans. That's their next four. Then they get the home, they play home Titans, home Jets, home Cowboys at Ravens, home Bills. Those last three games are very tough. Out of the last four games are pretty tough. So Miami could fall apart. I wouldn't hate, and I'd have to look at the standings. I wouldn't hate putting a little bit of money on the Dolphins not to make the playoffs. I mean, I'm looking here to see where they are in terms of like the whole standing. So they're six and three. The Chiefs and Ravens are seven and two. The Jaguars are six and two. The Steelers, Browns, and Bengals are five and three. The Jets are four and three. The Bills are five and four. Like I wouldn't hate, and I don't know which sports book has it, and you'll get plus money. And I wouldn't put a lot on it, but I wouldn't hate putting some money on the Dolphins to not make the playoffs. 
especially if, if Tua gets hurt, that 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 team's going to go downhill. That 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 team's going to go downhill. So, um, you know, I'm I you know the Bills certainly aren't the best. You know, this is where if the Jets can win tonight, you know, the Jets can make things interesting in that division. That's for sure. Jets and Chargers tonight. I um I put a little bit, and when I say a little bit, I mean like pizza money on the Jets tonight. I just don't trust the Chargers. Like everybody, if you look, and I, this is a quick education, if you look at your favorite sports book, you'll notice that the sports books are sticking to the threes and they're changing the juice. So for the real quick education, the juice on every bet pretty much, for the most part, depending upon your sports book, is minus 110. That's what even money is on both directions. And as more money comes into one direction, they change the juice. So if more people are betting on the chargers, they will um, change the juice. You have to pay a little bit more to take the chargers. Basically, what I'm seeing here is a lot of books are sticking with the three and just basically saying, come on, and they're bringing your money in and nothing's happening with the Jets. That is interesting, to say the least. Now, DraftKings flipped to a three and a half. Um, I like the Jets tonight to cover. Now, you're saying, look, do I want to put money on Zach Wilson? No, you're more putting money on that defense, and you're more putting money on the fact that the Chargers rarely do what they're supposed to do. And it's a tough road game, and um, the better coaches on the Jets' side, that's why you're doing it. You're not betting on the the Jets because of the um, quarterback. But that's that's just my thought. The Chargers shouldn't be 3-4. and four. There's way too much talent on the Chargers to be 3-4. and four. But that's Monday Night Football tonight. Um the commanders game. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I, I feel like one of the things that I like to do when it comes to you guys, and it's probably positive and negative because I think some of you would, do, you know, would rather I lie to you. I didn't watch a single down of the commanders Patriots game. We went to a local establishment. I had my eyes on a bunch of different things. I'm in a rather pricey survivor pool, and so, and I had the the Saints. Thank goodness, and I'm, I don't think AJ's listening, but like, thank goodness I didn't take Atlanta because Atlanta did what Atlanta does. Atlanta goes and loses games that they're not supposed to, but. In defense of Atlanta, they thought Jaron Hall was going to be in the game and then Josh Dobbs come in. But then I see video of Josh Dobbs working on the cadence on the sideline with the, with the offensive line. Like, he literally didn't know the plays, didn't know the cadence, didn't know the personnel, and still beat the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. So thank God I didn't take that. But I had the Saints, and the Saints were losing, and I was getting annoyed. So, like, the Patriots-Commanders game was just not in the back of my mind. It was not forefront. The one thing I notice here is they ran the ball more. And they ran it for 4.3 yards per carry, and they got Antonio Gibson more involved. Those are very crucial things. Uh, Sam Howell only took three sacks. This is all me trying to interpret the game off of the box score. Uh, I did see the end. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster dropped that ball. Jatavius Martin gets the interception. You know, if they would have lost and allowed Mac Jones to move up and down the field on that, that final drive, then I would have come on here and not laughed, but I would have been like, dude, shame on you. Um, maybe the Patriots should have run the ball a little bit more with somebody other than Ezekiel Elliott, but that's, I mean, look, as I said, the Patriots are just irrelevant right now. They're just another football team. They're just another football team. This is not, you know, ooh, let's be scared of Bill Belichick. This is not, ooh, Bill Belichick takes rookies away. Sam Howell threw for 325 yards. I'm pretty convinced that Sam Howell's the answer, at least for next year. Now, am I ready to say that in 2027, 2028, Sam Howell's still your quarterback? No, but I'm ready to say Sam Howell should be the starting quarterback next year for the Washington Commanders, and whatever draft pick they get in the first round, they should use it elsewhere. I'm ready. I could say that with some comfortable words. Um, 
I, I'm ready to say that. Kevin Sheehan was not ready to say anything before the game on Friday when we had him on, I think, at least this, this year coming up. Now, he could have a terrible year coming up, and if they don't put anything around him, then it's not going to matter, but I'm ready to say Sam Howell's good for quarterback next year. Other than that, though, I mean, look, as a, if you interpret how this thing goes and you look at the standings and the playoff picture, once again, the Commanders are at 4-5. and five. They are 8th right now. They're not catching the Eagles. They're not catching the Lions, who are going to probably win their division, although the Vikings are hanging around. They're not catching the 49ers, who are going to probably win their division, either them or the Seahawks. And the Saints somehow are going to win their division. Then you got Dallas at five and three, Minnesota at four, five and four, and then you got the Commanders and Falcons at three and five. There's just not a lot of good teams in the NFC. So the Commanders could back their way into the playoffs. A large game this weekend in Seattle against the Seahawks, mostly for standings purposes, because if Seattle doesn't win the division, they'll be fighting with the Commanders for the playoff spot. And Look, remember, they've got the Giants at home after that. If they lose the Giants, forget it. Like, we'll never talk the Commanders again on this station if they lose Week 11 at home against the Giants and and Matt, and Tommy DeVito. Uh, and then they got the Cowboys, Dolphins, by Rams, Jets, 49ers, Cowboys. Tough schedule down the stretch, but they have the opportunity to make the playoffs if they continue to play this well. All right. So here's the thing. And I know you're listening, Cowboys fans. I'm going to talk just to you for now. The Eagles got the benefit of several lucky bounces in terms of the fumbles. They fumbled it three times. They got the ball back. Although the, the DeAndre Swift fumble, like he fumbled, but it went right back to him. So, But the other ones, you know, the, the one at the end, that was certainly lucky. The Eagles did benefit from several penalties in their favor or not penalties called in their favor. Happens every game. I guarantee you if we went and watched the All-22s, you know, without any sort of bias, if we watch the All-22s, there's probably holding penalties that get missed. There's probably plays that get missed. It's not like the ones that are front and center are the only misses uh, because you could call holding probably on either team a lot more than actually gets called. And that crew is very flag-happy to on, on the secondary. They did it time and time and time and time and time again. Both sides. And I just, I feel like, unless it's agreed, just don't call anything. Don't call anything. Just let the guys play. This is football. There's supposed to be some contact. Um, but I think ultimately, in the end, you can't blame the officials. You can't blame the fumble luck. You were on, was it the 11-yard line with 27 seconds left? You were on, like, the 6-yard line? And your quarterback, who is not a winner, made un- Winning plays. Dak played pretty well. The Cowboys played very well. And Skip Bayless made me laugh. He's like, oh, the Cowboys are better than the Eagles. The Cowboys are not better than the Eagles. But the Cowboys played really well on Sunday. But here's the thing. There's 27 seconds left. You're on the six-yard line. You're six yards away from winning this game. False start. Backs him up to the 11. Sack. Lost 11 yards. Then, instead of killing the ball, Dak Prescott throws a deep ball to Jalen Tolbert. Then is five seconds left. There is a delay of game, which you can't take a delay of game there. You just can't. And then it's third and 26 on the 27, and you throw a 23-yard pass or 22-yard pass, whatever it was. Like, that's your own thing. You got the benefit of a pass interference, which is 100% of pass interference, and a roughing the passer, which is 100% of roughing the passer. You got the benefit of even having this thing closer than it was supposed to be. And you didn't do anything. Dak Prescott is not a winner. Dak Prescott is not a winner. He made winning plays, 
But when the, when the going got tough, they didn't win. And so, um, you know, that's just the way it is. And it's just insane to think about when it comes to this sort of thing. It's just insane. Dak is not a winner. So, whatever. Dallas played well enough to win. They just didn't make the plays to win. And the Eagles the Eagles have a lot of flaws. Their secondary is not good. Jalen Hurts isn't 100%. Dallas Goddard got taken out on a dirty hit by a Cowboys player. Um, there's a lot of things that are wrong with the Eagles. I'm not going to say they're, but they are the best team in football by the record. They are the best team in football. And I think if you, look, you can go and, and ding somebody for not winning pretty, but as long as you keep winning, it doesn't really matter. And so the Eagles are 8-1, and one, and they're two and a half games up in the division. They have a bye week. They have a very tough schedule coming up. But Dallas fans can't blame the refs for that loss. They can't blame the fumble luck. They can only blame themselves when they were six yards away from winning that game, and Dak couldn't do it. And that's what Dak does when it matters. So I know a lot of you are hurting because Notre Dame's not going to make the, the playoff. And the Lakers, I don't even know how the Lakers are doing. And the Yankees didn't make the playoffs. And you're hurting right now. I understand. But, like, don't blame the officials. And this is coming from a guy who blames the officials often. Um, Got a text here. It says, the Eagles' upcoming schedule. What do you project the record? The Eagles are playing Kansas City in Kansas City. Uh, Buffalo at home. San Francisco at home. At Dallas, at Seattle, their next five games. I think they go three and two. I think they I think they can beat the Chiefs. I think they'll beat the Bills, and the Bills don't scare me. I think they can beat the 49ers. And then I think they lose in Dallas. And I think they beat either Seattle or Kansas City. And they go three and two over that stretch. And then they got the Giants, Cardinals, and Giants. And by then, the Giants will be tanking, and the Cardinals will have already been tanking. So the Eagles are going to get 12, 13 wins, probably. Probably be the one seed in the NFC once again. Like, And they have a lot of youth. And that's the thing like about the Commanders. Like The Commanders said, you know, they got to find these draft classes, and they got to find these diamonds in the rough. And there are some young players who are playing well for the Commanders, but like, if you want to take that next step... You got to nail those extra draft picks you got, the second, the third, whatever it is. You got to nail all those picks because you, this is the thing that we always talk about with the Thunder, the, all these teams, the Celtics. It's all well and good to sit there and say, ooh, look at all of our draft picks. We have all this young stuff in the future. What has it gotten you? It got, it got the Celtics nothing. So it's nice to have all these extra picks, but, you know. We'll see. They got to nail those picks. The Eagles have nailed their picks. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment, get you set for the week ahead. Maybe touch on some other stuff as well. Why, uh, you're listening to 1061 ESPN. Work week is tough. Make your day a little brighter with full length podcast of all our shows and interviews. Available at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Uh, a couple minutes left. As I said, we'll do a lot of college football this week, a lot of college basketball. We'll do some NFL as well, which probably all sounds very logical to you because those are the sports that are going on. Uh, a couple of things uh, that I didn't realize and are kind of 
poorly placed. And obviously, first one, and this is a little different for me because obviously I'm I'm not a NASCAR person, but did you all realize that they crowned the champion in NASCAR over the weekend? Ryan Blaney won the NASCAR championship. I didn't know. Now, I, I here's the thing that's good that you need to do if you're going to try and build a sport. Like they're not trying to get the people who knew this weekend. You would try and get somebody like me. Now, look, there's nothing NASCAR could do to get me to watch that race in terms of if there's football on, if there's anything else. Like, I'm just going to watch it. But NASCAR crowned a champion. And, okay. Like, how many of you out there, and if you're driving, don't do this. Like, raise your hand if you if you knew that they crowned a champion over the weekend. And I'm sure a lot of you didn't. Mostly because you don't care about NASCAR. But, like, some of you may not know... In general, I mean, we don't do a lot of NASCAR in the station. I do NASCAR two times a year when they come to Richmond. No one's ever texted me. No one's ever messaged me and said, hey, we want more NASCAR on your show. If they did, I would try and do so. Now, I only have an hour. So I my when I lay out my schedules for each week and things like that, I go with the hits. College football, college basketball, NFL, little major league baseball little, you know, college lacrosse or whatever, like, you know, whatever else is going on. NASCAR just doesn't fit when I only have an hour. So, you know, when you crown a champion, it's like when if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it actually happen? I mean, it happened. But, like, come on now. Here's the other thing. Baseball handed out their gold glove awards. Like, it was just like some random tweets that basically happened. The gold glove and the silver slugger award. Now, once again, that's not going to make ripples in the world. It's not going to make any sort of like massive ripples or anything like that. But like, it just kind of happened. They just kind of did it. And it, it's like one of these things where they're just kind of, baseball's kind of tone deaf. And I'm not just killing baseball because I kill baseball. Like, I'm sure if Bob's listening, he's mad because I'm killing baseball again. He's like, well, why are you doing that? But like, it's just, if you care about your sport at all, like, here's the thing. So, one week from today, one week from today, the rookies of the year in Major League Baseball are getting announced. The season will have been over for two, three weeks. You're going to tell me who the rookie of the year is? You're going to tell me who the manager of the year is on the 14th, the Cy Young on the 15th, the MVPs on the 16th? Like, baseball's done. Like, people moved on. No one cares. Not even Bob cares. Everybody's moved on. And you're going to give me the awards for this sport two, three weeks after the sport ended? You serious? Like, do it a couple days after. Do it while the World Series is going on. Do it when people care about baseball. Now it's going to be like, oh, let's go to the MLB Network. Six o'clock. Here's the rookie of the year. Great. Super. Spring training's coming in February. Hell, wait until spring training in February, 